Hello and welcome to the Freel Podcast. The show that discusses music, film, and most importantly, furries. I'm your host, Matthew, also known as Hypey Stan. And on the 12th episode today, we have Manic. Hello, Manic. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm actually doing pretty well for a Sunday, I'd say. Or what day is this being yeah. recorded and presented? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know, because that's a thing, because this is a this is an, the first episode in, like, ages that I've actually recorded. Last time I recorded an episode was maybe, like, a month and a bit ago. So... If to to the audience, I am sorry if I do sound a little rusty when you know speaking and all that, and if I sound tired, I'm not used to being all, woo, hello, welcome to the podcast, all shouty. So I might be a little bit more chill, but you know, still going to be a good time. We're all fine. Have you been up to much today? Actually, no. Today has been a pretty uh, chill pretty day. Dull, mm-hmm. chill day. Yeah. Nice. I um. I mean, I I was a bit productive this morning, but it was my friend's twenty first yesterday. Shout out to Cameron. So. I woke up kind of a little bit hungover, so, and I mean, I was like, yeah. I was really happy about the film choice because of that, because we'll talk about it later, but the film wasn't a art house film that I have to really think about. I just mm-hmm. put it on, had had some breakfast and just whacked it on and just had a good time because it was just a nice, chill, like musical cat film. I fucking loved it. So anyway, we'll talk about that later. The main thing that happened to me today, the main thing that happened was, my God, so I was making lunch and I just had a normal like instant noodle block or whatever with the chicken. It was a chicken instant noodle thing. And I was like, you know, I'm going to go the extra mile. And I was like, I'm going to get some chicken burgers and just cook them. Now, I was going to put them in the oven, but I was like, I'm going to have to preheat the oven and it's going to take ages. So I decided to grill them instead, which was a bad idea. Even though you can't grill them, it's fine. It was just on the back. I was like, okay, grill for six minutes each on each side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so I was doing that. And then I realized I didn't put the fucking extractor fan on. So uh, within like four minutes of me all doing of it, it just start, yeah, all the fire alarms start going off. And I live with like two, or two well, three other students, but only two, two are here at the moment. And like my friend Anderson just comes out and he's just like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, I, it, it just comes out the door and I'm just like standing on top of like a chair trying to waft the fucking fire along, like trying to get the smoke away. And I'm like, oh my God, I cannot cook. And now, it happens all the time. yeah, and now my entire house, including me, just smell of burnt chicken burger and I cannot get the smell off of me. I've had a fucking shower and I still smell like, I think it's my clothes, I think, but I swear down the entire... I went downstairs to get a drink before we start the podcast. And I was like, the kitchen... I, I cooked these five hours ago. And the kitchen still smells of burnt chicken burger. Like, what is going on? God. But, you know, <laughs> that's like how eventful my day has been. Because that's the only... No, again. <laughs> I do the same thing. I, I, I Every time I cook, I always forget to put the extractor fan on. And the extractor fan doesn't do the best job. Mm-hmm. And always, always, without fail, if it's something smoky turns on the one that's furthest away from me at any given moment and i have to run across the house and waft at one that's in a random <laughs> hallway not the one closest to the hoven no 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 we're we're completely ignoring that one somehow but all the way up the staircase all the way in a hallway smoke gets to it i don't know how <laughs> i mean it's especially bad for well it's for my university accommodation last year fucking hell so obviously i did like a it was like really really shared accommodation like i shared a floor with like 20 people and if obviously if if one person's cooking and fucks up like 19 other people have got like smoke alarms just blaring in that in their room and there used to be tests every tuesday and it was just like so loud it would be like nine in the morning yeah every tuesday at nine in the morning they do it for like 10 15 seconds so you it's basically everybody got 
an alarm on a Tuesday. Holy it was, crap. Yeah, it was shit. But obviously, since it's like university accommodation, I have to like do regular tests and stuff for health and safety. But it was awful. It was awful. I hated I'm, it. I'm amazed that they do it every Tuesday. <laughs> I, guess, I guess it's because, oh, they're university students. They're going to burn down the building. So we got to make sure I these mean, work. Yeah, every week. But <laughs> my God, yeah. <sighs> yeah, but I haven't Hopefully been. You didn't have anybody making fish in a microwave, though. That's the worst. Oh yeah, oh my fucking god. Uh, we had a few people that like cooked fish like a shit ton, in, but no, look, you're not in the microwave. The only thing I microwave. Oh my god, I don't know if you have these in America, but we have these like things that they call like Rustler burgers in the UK, and I swear they're just made of like uh, nuclear waste, some sort of <laughs> fucking weird shit. Because it's a it's a burger that you microwave, and it's like consumable once you microwave the burger and it's like the actual like patty or whatever although the beef is like i don't know what the fuck is in that thing that you can microwave it and it's cooked but it, it, i mean no. i i taste i eat them all the time because it work when i ha when i just have my break it's just like it's sort of like a minute microwave but it's weird like really weird I we do have like ones that are pre-cooked in packages and you just heat it up with a microwave but mm. i've never heard of something that basically is cooked in the microwave like a burger mm -hmm. but it's, that sounds interesting yeah well it's not <laughs> it, it, it is pre-cooked but like i say pre-cooked very lightly it's just weird it's like a solid <laughs> block i don't know it's weird honestly like, I, I i you know i like i eat so much stupid shit and then i just i'm like skinny as fuck i'll just stay skinny as fuck and i just i'm really surprised like my metabolism rate is just off the charts honestly but Cause I'll eat like all I'll eat is like rustler burgers and like refrigerators and just like really shitty foods. But I'll just stay skinny. I mean, yesterday I had a McDonald's. Oh my god, yesterday I had a McDonald's and the guy who delivered it was like a fucking arsehole. Cause our house is really hard to find for delivery drivers for some reason. Mm -hmm. And the guy was just like, "I can't find your house," and I was like, "I'm sorry, okay, it's hard to find." But and then he was like, <laughs> "This is your fault for putting it in wrong." And I was like, "I didn't put the address in wrong. You just can't find my house." Anyway. That's a completely different story, completely different tangent. We're seven minutes in, chatting shit about food, mostly me. Let's move on. Let's start. <laughs> do you want to introduce yourself a bit? What kind of stuff you do? What what your links are with furry stuff? I'll let you take the stage because I've spoken enough. All right. Well, um, as mentioned, my name is Manic, or I go by Manic in the fandom. I, my actual name is Justin, but um, I've been surrounding myself with this community since about two, 2001 Whew. and uh yeah it's been a, it's been a bit <laughs> it's been a journey I've, I've been in some of the dark times um but I, I i'm a little bit different in terms of the creators probably that you mostly feature because mm -hmm. i i'm a convention chairman i work in a number of different conventions as staff uh i've done a number of different skits and associated uh, pieces of work uh, when you do when you go to cons you have different showcases of yeah. different types of events and whatnot and i've done some of those and i sing which is mostly the big thing that i do i do a lot of covers here and there and i've worked in a bunch of different acapella groups over the course of the years and have worked as a professional singer for various reasons outside of the fandom mm -hmm. um, the most notable is i've worked as the most notable in terms of just hilarity of what it is, is the fact that I worked as a backup singer for an Elvis impersonator for a while. What the so, fuck? That's so cool. <laughs> I mean, you've just uncovered, you've just 
unraveled so much different stuff like convention chairman singer and i mean you haven't even taught uh mentioned the the vhs streams that you do sometimes as well oh like, yeah you do so much i think 2001 as well again i have the same conversation with fairies on this podcast probably like multiple times but i think there's only two episodes where i haven't said this people go back like way back and i'm mm-hmm. i started in this fandom what maybe like it's like a year and a half ago into me 2001 like i was one years old like i will obviously I, that is but fucking mental to me that you've been <laughs> like involved in a community for that long that's night like that's that's 20 years now that, that is 20 years yeah it, it is it is it, it's funny because it was um it, it started off in very odd places like mm-hmm. for some reason i wanted to what really drove me to it were two different things two totally disparate things one is and this sounds ridiculous i wanted a tail I'm not even joking that when I was like, I was what I was 12, 13 at the time. And I wanted a tail. Yeah. And, and that drove me to places that were very bizarre. Um, and then I fell in love with Sonic stuff. Yeah. Um, which was its own world of bizarre. Mm-hmm. I was a, I was a Sanic for many years. <laughs> we love that though. We love that. I mean, I was yep. probably, I was around the same, I think. Cause thing is, I know that Sonic is fairy. Like, because mm-hmm. obviously Sonic and all the, the characters in the Sonic universe are like anthropomorphic animals, but that I, I don't inherently see Sonic as anthropomorphic media. I don't know why, but I just don't. But I mean, it definitely did kind of, you know, link to me becoming a fairy. I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, I mean, controversial opinion, I think, out of the three classic games, I think 2 is the best. And 2 is... Sonic Adventure 2? Uh, no, it's not Sonic Adventure 2, just Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Like, on, oh, on Sonic the, 2, on, yeah. Yeah, on the Genesis, yeah. Sonic 2 is probably my favorite game of all time genuinely it's have you tried fantastic. sonic cd i see i've tried it but i found it a little bit because obviously you've got like the past and the future and all mm-hmm. that yeah and i do um i do like it but i felt like it was just a bit too com- complex in terms of the different places you can go to that's why i don't like i, I that's the reason i don't like uh well so i like sonic one sonic one's all right but it's just like I don't like how there's three acts. I like having two acts next thing straight away. And yeah. I think I think I, this is a really minor point, but the reason I do one of the reasons I do like Sonic CD is because of the sprites. Sonic free mm. sprites I really just, I, I don't like. They're really great. And I I'd say they're great and I do like them, but compared to the Sonic 1 the Sonic 2 sprites, I love the the Sonic 1 and 2 sprites. And I think I'm just obviously like nostalgia biased because I didn't really play free as a kid and I played one and two as a kid. I was never a three fan. I never. I, no. I, I, it's funny because I never really played three. I have Sonic and Knuckles, mm-hmm. which is basically three. Yeah, basically three. Um, but I, I, it was never one that I actually showed up on my radar that I cared enough about. Mm-hmm. It was two CD, um, random games like Spinball. Yeah. I, I, I fell in love with Spinball many, many years ago, and um, and then Sonic Adventure, and that was all the other games in between were there, but. Those were the basic ones that yeah. really kept me focused on things. Yeah, because yeah. that's the thing. People say free is like the best one or like the goat. And I'm like, I don't know. I just didn't find free that compelling compared to I didn't find like the the zones that compelling. I didn't find no. the Yeah, I did. I didn't compare it to I think two. I just have a soft spot for two because I think I, Tails is my favorite character in Sonic. And t- it was when Tails oh, was definitely. introduced. And just in general, I love the zones. I love the music. I I, I have a lot of nice memories because I did have a. It was my dad's Mega Drive that I have in mm-hmm. my room now, and nice. I still use. And 
I had that, but I also had one of those uh, plug-and-play things as well with Sonic 2 on it. It was like a plug-and-play of like six Genesis games. It was pretty oh, sick. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Uh, it, had yeah. Like, it had like Sonic 2, Echo the Dolphin, Alex the Kid, and then it had this fucking weird-ass ooze game or something, and then it had Bejeweled, and I can't remember the last one. But uh, Was it Pipe Dream? It, it might have been, yeah. It might have been Pipe. I think it was like two, two puzzle games maybe, and then one. Yeah. I, I remember Echo the Dolphin being on there. In like twelve year old me, just like dicked about with it. Echo for, like, the Dolphin yeah. was really good. It's hard. It, it was hard. really, yeah, it was really good, right? But I remember playing it when I was like twelve, and just fucking mm-hmm. dicking about with it for like twenty minutes, and be like, "How the fuck do I do anything in this game?" And then I just exactly. Shut it off. I never got past like twenty minutes into the game, and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I just enjoy <laughs> playing a dolphin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, we went on a massive tangent about Sonic. Obviously, no, so- so- Sonic is a massive part of like fairy media. I think. A lot mm-hmm. of people make Sonic OCs, and it's a kind of link to like personas or anything. But oh yeah, you, you were so. Let's kind of jump. That's forward. actually where my name came from. Really? So, but, yeah. Mm. Uh, there's a there was a show called Sonic Underground in the <gasps> early 2000s. Oh 2000s. shit! Yeah, my um, yeah, I used to watch that show a lot. It's awful. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I much prefer Sonic X to Sonic Underground. I would say Sonic X was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Sonic. My X. my my first love is uh, Sonic Saturday AM. The um, uh, the yeah, Sorry, yeah, the yeah. two seasons way back in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. But but Sonic Underground for some reason Manic captured my attention. And that's where I got the name. So oh, that's stuck. so cool. Yeah, that's it, it's great to see kind of humble beginnings of you know, like, fairy stuff still kind of, you know, coming on to your modern stuff of, like, who you are today. I mean, some oh, people yeah. have, some people went through, like, multiple name changes, multiple sonas, and again, I've talked about this in other episodes. People went through multiple sonas, multiple things, but some people just stay with, like, one sona and just stay mm-hmm. with that sona for the rest of the kind of thing. Going into the more, you know, modern-day manic, what kind of stuff have you been doing recently? You know, because obviously um, you're still making covers recently. Aren't you? You've been making music covers recently. You've been doing a lot of singing as well, which is great stuff, by the way, because I've been checking out your stuff on your Twitter. And I was just like, you know, I was snooping. I was like, what, 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 can, what can we talk about today? And I was like, some of this stuff is really good. Like, it's lovely. Thank you. I, I honestly appreciate that because mm-hmm. I've kind of been forcing myself to just do so I, I pick a song during a day. I find the backing track that I can use. Mm-hmm. And then I just sit down and I sit down for half an hour. Yeah. Every other day. It's just a simple thing. And even if I don't know the song, like this is, this is the funny part about my process. I don't oftentimes take these songs and practice them for long. Uh, if I know them relatively well, I'll go through them once or so in my head to make sure I know what's going on. Yeah. But I don't want the song to be replayed in my head in such a way that it influences my take on it too much mm-hmm. so i try to just record it as i hear the music as i remember hearing the music as i remember hearing the lyrics yeah and it's usually one or two or three or four takes sometimes it's eight takes but yeah i, I do it from beginning to end i do not cut in any i, I do not like splice at all i i occasionally i'll do a quick retake of a certain section if i have to do that yeah. but yeah Generally, I don't splice anything else. I don't do any of that. And I record now with the video so that there's a... The reason I'm doing this is because I want to improve my live performance as well as my recording performance. Vocal stuff, yeah. Yeah. So I want to be as as consistent as I possibly can while producing something that I'm somewhat proud of, at least. So. Well, that's a great way to do it, though, because you know it's very you know productive it's it's well kind of kind of into it whatever the 
fucking phrases, but because you're, you know, you're being able to do your covers, but then having, you know, some, something simple just as like, oh, you know, a camera, you know, being on the cover gets you used to that kind of environment without jumping straight to obviously with COVID and that it isn't really going that, yep. um, you know, massive with live performances but it gets you used to that and i think mm-hmm. people do that with um twitch streaming with covers as well because you still have an audience there and it's still like it's an online audience can still be incredibly daunting even if you can't you know visually see that audience and i think it's and the same it's with like twi- i mean you have a good amount of twitter followers so mm-hmm. and i mean even if even though you can't see that audience you can see that number and you know that you know that's the number that you're, you know, sharing your stuff to. So I definitely get that kind of way of seeing things as well. It's a bit of a, what's the word I'm looking for? So it's, it's vulnerable. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm continuing to do that because the last few times I've been on stage, which it's been a while since I've performed on stage consistently. Mm-hmm. And the last few times I've done it, I've gotten these nerves that just would not go away. And I was not happy with my performance. Yeah. And so this is this is me attempting to get that and tamp it down and tamp down the the nerves and tamp down the the errors that I would have in my singing. And and frankly, you mentioned Twitch, and I I should actually be doing this on Twitch as well, mm-hmm. and yeah. I intend to do that. But it's also one of those things where what kind of content is it? If I'm going to do a couple covers here and there, that's only about ten minutes of content. Should I do it a different way? How should I do this? It's more of an, I need to figure out a way to package it in a way that makes sense for Twitch. No, yeah, I, I understand that definitely. Because I think it's exploring how you can distribute your kind of, I mean, distribute your talent, I guess. Mm-hmm. And especially when it comes to platforms like Twitch, sometimes it's hard to kind of generate an audience, if you know what I mean. Even like, oh, yeah. even if you're a kind of person that has a following on a different platform, I found with Twitch, like, I've, I've been Twitch streaming recently and I find it really hard to get people engaged and stuff. And I think especially with this podcast as well, I'm finding trying to find a perspective of somebody who would actually consume or like listen to my podcast because I'm not a podcast person and I'm not somebody who watches Twitch streams, but I'm 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 engaging in that and it's weird. Yeah, you sound like me. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not a person who generally like I have a few podcasts that I listen to very very religiously Mm -hmm. because I really do like the content and I realize why I like this content. And I think I gave it to you. I think I told you that what you're attempting to do fits directly into what I like about podcasts in that there's a structure, but it's not a, it's not a, it's not a scripted structure. It's a, we have an intent and we have a plan and we're going to get there, but you have, there's room to move around and to play. And I like that because I need some form of structure associated with it, Mm -hmm. something at in general. And I've been doing the same thing with Twitch. Like I I love Twitch. I've been enjoying it very, very much, but I'm also not a person that generally watches Twitch. I've been doing it more lately because I want to support friends, but I'm not generally a person that does it on a, on a regular basis. It just never captures my attention the way that something else might. Yeah. That's exactly me because uh I, i've been watching twitch recently because my friends have started twitch streaming and i do understand the kind of essence because it's what i'm learning at university it's like this essence of liveness um because mm-hmm. we're talking about you know because stu- i do one of my modules of studio production as in like good morning america kind of thing you know studio or studio game shows and that's that it's that essence of liveness that yep. audience people get that the ephemerality yeah that, the ephemerality yeah. of of live versus something that's recorded and yeah. edited and, and manipulated to be mm-hmm. exactly what you want it 
no, the live experience is going to be something that's not going to be exactly what you want, but it's mm. going to be its own experience yeah. in and of itself. Because you don't yeah. know what's going to happen. You don't know what's exactly. going to happen because it's, it's live. And um, it's like my friend Anderson, I go downstairs, knock on the door and be like, oh, what are you doing? Are you, are you wanting to do this? You want to do that? And he's like, oh, I'm just sitting eating food, watching a VOD, a Twitch VOD. And I'm like, how can you just sit and do that? Like, yeah. I don't know. I just don't find them interesting at all but then i but then i say that and then i'll just like watch an endless stream of youtube videos which do the exact same thing but they're just structured but exactly i think vods i i, I think the the reason i like twitch is obviously to support people and also the the essence of liveness and seeing something live and being like oh what's gonna happen especially with like big creators and stuff where a lot of eventful things do happen a lot but when you just start watching videos on demand like vods i just like that that's the charm of twitch taken away from me but i know and that's 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 yeah. been a rarity for me because i i wonder about that as well it's like oh how many people watch your videos i'm like who's going to watch the video of a live session that was meant to be experienced yeah you can't experience the live session by watching a recording mm. really it just doesn't have the same feeling yeah it's 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 a kind of because i mean there's even tv shows that do as live stuff so game shows usually do record stuff like previously but it'll be recorded as if it was live. Mm -hmm. Like the way that the cameras are cut in studio and stuff like that. And it is interesting to kind of play around with what's live, what isn't live. Can you do something that, that isn't live but has live elements and it still has that kind of feeling of you don't know what's going to happen because you don't know because you haven't seen the episode or the show or oh, whatever. Yeah. But it's a very interesting topic. And it's so weird that we've kind of got onto this because it is literally what I'm studying at university. Like it, well, it's one of my modules. I mean, I wish I could be making stuff in the studio, but we can't do the studio because of COVID. So I'm just yeah. writing scripts for studio TV show. I did one for like a movie discussion thing yes, uh, last week. And we sit in a Zoom call for three hours and discuss what we would have done in the studio instead of actually fucking using the cameras oh, in the wow. studio. And I mean, I know there's nothing really much you can do about it, but it is really disappointing. But I mean, at the same time, we can't really do anything about it because of COVID. No. But it sucks like so bad because I just want to get the camera. I used some of the cameras last year for a little bit. But last year was mainly academic for me, so it kind of was. It kind of sucked when I was like, "Oh, I can't wait till next year when I can make stuff and I can make films because that's what I want to do." And then COVID hits and I can't do that. So, on my film and TV production course, I am not making a single film until third year, and that just fucking sucks. Because yeah, I'm that just, takes away yeah. the charm and the, the yeah. delight of what you're doing, and it's really unfortunate yeah. because you're paying for this education and you're trying to pay to get this experience with mm -hmm. these things and you're nope mm -hmm. nope you're not going to get that experience and i, I think yeah and i think there's like multiple points and i won't get into it because this isn't isn't really what the podcast episode is about and i don't want to dwell on it but no, i think especially for like art and creative students it's like people don't see them as serious degrees sometimes and it's very overlooked but essentially with covid and all, everything that's happened especially for uk universities like these are the courses that are affected the most because mm -hmm. i mean Stuff like obviously like medicine and in like kind of sciencey stuff is also affected greatly because they can't do their practicals and their like lab practicals. But people who do like law or something where they would only have lectures and yep. uh, exams, like they can do them all online. I'm not saying that you know it sucks because you don't still don't get that like in person lecture and seminar experience. But for me, it's like I don't have that. But I also don't have the camera equipment that I would be using and I don't yeah. have the studio that I would be using or any of the facilities that I pay nine grand a year to use. And that's where I'm kind of like, right, well, 
why am there's, I paying nine there's grand? Quite a disparate, <laughs> uh, there's quite a, a, a disparate experience that you're having versus somebody who is more academic. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're not getting that full experience that you're paying for. You're not getting that full scope of what you're yeah. trying to do. And it, it makes it more difficult and it takes something away from what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And it's really unfortunate. Um, yeah. It, and I, I, I get that entirely, actually. So, yeah. Oh, well. It's, it, it is what it is, I guess. But anyway, we'll jump forward. Let's talk about you being in the farm since 2001. As a ch convention chairman and all that, what have your convention experiences been like? Let's talk about something more furry. What, what have your oh, convention yeah. experiences been like? Uh, I've, had, I've been to a number of conventions, mm -hmm. um, I've, mostly in the U.S. I've only yeah. been to one convention outside the U.S., and that was EF back in 2014. Mm -hmm. In fact, my, my suit was debuted at EF because I got it. Uh, it was fully debuted at EF. I mm -hmm. somewhat debuted it at AC, but it wasn't completely finished. But um, I love your suit as well. It's such a oh, nice suit. Uh, thank you. I love the glasses as well. Is that like a thing that you had? <laughs> did you commission that separately for an accessory or was that part of the suit as well? Like, did you say I want glasses as well? It was part of the suit. Um, it was a mixture of collaboration mm -hmm. where the suit maker didn't know how to go about making them. Uh, they contacted somebody and they couldn't make them. So I contacted a friend of mine who at the time worked in a machine shop that had a water jet oh, okay and i designed it in 2d and he helped me figure out the design in 2d and then he did a water jet and cut them out of base aluminum mm -hmm. and then i sent them off to the maker and she was able to use a material called sculpty to implant magnets into the nose pieces so oh. that they stick to so then the mask itself has magnets in it mm -hmm. and the glasses themselves have magnets in it so they both attach now it's not perfect but it works exceptionally well and they'll fly off in comedic fashion at times so it works out even better at that <laughs> whenever yeah. that happens that's so cool i love that so much i think yeah she was a pod she was a she was a cosplay artist more than a first oh maker. see that makes that makes sense as well yeah. but I, it, I think it looks fantastic it's so good i mean i've been Thank wanting you. to get a suit sadly uh, i've got the money for it now i've all saved up for it but sadly, I didn't get a slot with the suit uh, suit maker oh, I wanted. Oh, damn, yeah. But, and that's fine. I'm not too bothered by it. But it's like, there's not a lot of UK... Because I don't want to get one abroad because I can't be bothered to pay like 300 pounds customs yeah. or whatever. So uh, I'm looking for a UK suit maker. So, I mean, if there are any UK suit makers that want to send me this stuff... I mean, to be fair, I've got like a, I've got like a massive list of like every single suit maker I like. Uh, nice but uh, but if, if if you're a uk suit maker and you're looking for commissions because a lot of places that i like are closed but if you if you're a suit i've got the money and i can give it to you you know that's all I'm saying. i gotta do the same actually <laughs> i gotta do the same because I, I gotta i want to get a second uh like a version two nice. but i mean he's he's uh, him and i have my other suit victor and mm -hmm. uh just I, I love them both i love them both for what mm -hmm. they are and no i i wish you luck frankly on finding yeah, somebody yeah, in, your, you. in your neck of the woods yeah well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Um, let's talk about more you doing uh, convention chairman stuff. Is sure. that, uh, you know, scary at times? Is it like a big commitment oh. or like a big kind of, you know, responsibility? Because I would, I would imagine it, it would be, yeah. It, um, well, it's funny because I love it. I, I love being the chairman. I love doing the work associated with it. But it is, especially when you get closer to the event over the course of the year, mm -hmm. all, you're, you have this just increase of stress you have this constantly like logarithmic uh increase of stress it's not like a straight line where the stress just gets bigger and slowly just <laughs> yeah. grows it's it's suddenly oh that's much more impressive 
and problematic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, it, it also makes it a little bit different because we, uh, the, the convention that I chair, uh, Western PA Furry Weekend, is not a conventional convention. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a very odd way to put that, but that's true. <laughs> it's a it's an outdoor event. So we have this lodge. Okay. And in this lodge, it's a two-floor lodge. You can't, we can't have everybody in this lodge. It's not big enough for everybody to be it. So we have tents outside, but it's mostly an outdoor event. And people go back to a hotel at the in the end of the night. We we have everybody shuttled to the hotel because we also have an outdoor bar mm-hmm. that is built up every year for this. It's a it's a very big bar setup. But the reason it's a little bit different outside of the outdoor end is we cook for everybody. We cook for oh, everybody. Yo, we okay. um, we have numer- numerous beers, mm-hmm. meads, and ciders on tap uh, for so everybody dope. to enjoy. That's so cool. And and it's 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 really a chill event rather mm-hmm. than here's all these panels and whatnot we have a few here and there but it's really about the camaraderie and association of people together Mm -hmm. in a very large space that but that is very close-knit so you're not going to go to a place you're not going to go to one area unlike a lot of cons where you find yourself at one specific area and then you have to go search for your friend they're on the other side of a hotel other side of a convention center no it's there they're just there it's a small event in that it's you, you do, it, it can't grow too large because then it loses the charm associated yeah, no, with I, the, yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from with that because it's kind of like, well, I mean, it's with anything really. I was going to say something like when it comes to like music artists, you kind of like that as well. When um, an artist is small, it feels really like, you know, local and kind of, you know, tight-knit, a tight-knit community mm-hmm. and then an artist, you know, grows, which is fantastic, but also kind of loses a little bit of that charm. But I totally get that when it comes to events as well. I mean, it's a I different think, feeling, yeah. I think I feel like that sometimes when I used to go to like smash, uh, smash tournaments. Um, when I go to locals, like week, like weeklies, and there'd be like 10, 12 people there, it'd be nice because I'd know everybody there, or I'd like know most of the people there, and there'd be a few new faces that you can talk to, and it'd be nice and close and tight knit. And then I would go to like a regional with like 150 people. And I'll be like, this is really daunting. And I mean, it's great because I can meet so many new people and gain like new experience with like the game. But at the same time, it's like sometimes I just want to have a nice little cozy community. And I think that that is great. And I think obviously it'd be nice to expand. But if I was you, I would definitely keep it like, oh, I mean, I mean, you can't really. I don't know. Do you you cap the attendance there or is it just more? We don't yet. Um, We don't yet. We probably will have to at some Mm -hmm. point in time. Because the one issue we run into all all the time is we have a lot of strange rules here mm-hmm. in PA and mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. Where so the event is held at what's called a county park mm-hmm. versus a state park or a local park. Okay. Uh, the counties, or a national park, I should say, the county parks allow for alcohol, but they do not allow for camping. The hmm. state parks allow for camping, but they do not allow for alcohol. So see, you have okay. this massively difficult situation you either can't camp or you can't have alcohol alcohol and we don't have parks that have a larger space for us in the county so that's that's really where our our limitation runs into now we've looked around and try to find places outside of the county if we have to move if we get so big that we have to move then we have some options we can Mm -hmm. look at but you kind of lose some of the charm of where we are if you go too big yeah so we try to keep it at a low low temp. We don't we don't try to push it as hard as some other cons might push it to get attendance mm-hmm. because we don't want to let it explode. Mm-hmm. We want people to come. We want new people to yeah. come, and we want the experience to be just as nice as it would be for the people who are already there. Already there. And and it, yeah, yeah. I think it's difficult to kind of 
find that middle balance of maintaining that. I think, I, I, I don't know, is it just, I'm guessing when it comes to not camping, it's just the sense of it being like private land or like government owned land that you can't really, you know, camp on it. Um, I don't, I don't know exactly the reason behind the no camping on in, in these parts. Um, to be fair, I've never looked into it. It's just the way that the rules are set up. Yeah. There's no camping on these on these uh, yeah. parcels yeah. of land, and we that's why we have shuttles to take people to a hotel. And to be frank, the hotels have been f- wonderful because they give us access to a pool later than they would actually give anybody else. That's cool. And they're all suites, so they're mm. all these beautiful rooms that people can enjoy and 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 stay up late if they really want to. So there's there's an element there that is it has the room party element. It mm. has that thing that if you wanted to experience that you still have the room party element yeah. associated with the con experience mm-hmm. that most people a lot of people want yeah well, i think it's fantastic that you can you know be a part of something so big like a you know a, a fair like a pa fairy weekend kind of thing i think that's really fucking cool uh it's a massive responsibility so definitely you know congrats for that i mean i can't imagine doing something like that in the slightest i'll get incredibly stressed out and just be like, it, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> you kind of get used to it, I guess. And mm-hmm. and I didn't expect to ever do something like this either. So it's it yeah. it, it happened, and uh, I'm taking pride in what I'm able to do with it. And uh, you're welcome if you wanted to come out here. Oh, if you ever yeah. came out to the one hundred percent. I'm I'm thinking of um, coming to a U.S. ferry convention once everything's all you know died down. But the one mm-hmm. I was looking at is because my friend Sai lives in Baltimore, so it's like the, you know the U- New York area. And, mm-hmm. um, I think talk- I know who you're talking about. Yeah, actually. yeah, we were talking about. Um, it was um, it was like the one that's being held in like 2022. I mean, 20 yeah, in 2022, the camping one in Maryland. Uh, yeah, that that looks really good. I think I forgot what it's called, like Harvest something. I don't know. The I think they changed the name. Yeah, Harvest Moon. Yeah, yeah, looks really really fucking cool. And uh, I like that idea of having a unique um, kind of convention experience if I was to ever go abroad for it. Because I mean, if I'm gonna go to a big, you know. Uh, you know, big convention center one. I'll just go to the one mm-hmm. in the UK. I know there's like mm-hmm. friends I could meet in the American one, and you know, different panel people and all that. I but... will throw this out at you though, and and this is this is something that take, I take major pride in for the city I live in, mm-hmm. uh, because Western PA Free Weekend is in Western PA as well. It's very mm-hmm. close to Anthrocon. Oh, okay. Uh, Anthrocon is a unique experience, and I say this even though it's enormous. Um, the experience of the city. And I take a lot of pride in this because it is my hometown. Um, we, the city itself becomes the con. The, oh, okay. the con, while it's as important as every other convention and all the panel rooms and all that stuff, the city itself adopts the convention as if it's an event for the whole city. Mm-hmm. So you have all of these different bars and restaurants and venues that have done things to encourage people to explore the city. Mm-hmm. to come into the city and everybody who is here wants to see the people in costume they want to see the fairies they even have the outdoor parade where they actually have newscasters come by and actually have police that actually cordon off space to make the parade actually down major mm-hmm. streets it's 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 in a big event and so it's an ex- it's a very unique experience for such a large con mm-hmm. and i have to give them a lot of credit on what they do for that it's really kind of cool yeah that's 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 fantastic i mean I can't say the same for Confuzzle because I've been to Birmingham before and I'm sorry to people who live in the Birmingham area or Birmingham, but I just don't like Birmingham. I think it's just boring. <laughs> it's like every single UK city, including the one that I live in, Newcastle, where it's just boring and dull and I do not like it. 
and, uh, in all fairness i'd probably find it fascinating because yeah, see, that's, never the been that's that's the thing because it's it's culture differences as well you could look at something and be like oh my god no way they're driving on the left side of the road and i'm like mm, and it's just like normal i don't know it, i i find yeah. that really funny how i i could probably find something so little in in like um it's somewhere in Pens- uh, pennsylvania so fucking cool and then you would just be like that's just normal like that's just a normal pittsburgh thing. normal life yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like the, the yeah. car thing is fascinating to me that you bring that up because that's hugely fascinating to me considering cars are a huge part of my hobby. And yeah. I really, 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 really want to drive on the wrong side of the car on the wrong side of the road, as I would put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be an interesting experience. I used to always get really worried when I used to go um, on holiday in France and my dad would get a rent car. I would always be fascinated. I'd be like, how, how the fuck's my dad just being able to drive on the other side of the road just completely And you're unfazed. in the driver's seat, technically. And yeah. I, yeah, you're and sitting I'm, in the driver's seat. Yeah, and I'm just sat there and I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing because it's switched, it's switched around because the rent car has to be different as well because of the way that it's sorted as well. And I'm like, that's so fucking cool. Like, that's so cool to me. Uh, yeah, because we, we have our uh, steering wheels on the right-hand side, mm-hmm. yeah. Right, I mean, holy shit, we're on fucking third. This is the most I've talked uh, talked in the intro part, and I think it's just because I've had a massive gap, and I've been, you know, been wanting, you know, talk and shit for so long. So it's we a good will, conversation. yeah, fantastic conversation, yeah. And I will be looking. I mean, that idea of the, you know, the the ferry weekend you organize sounds right up my alley. I think it's a fantastic, unique experience, and you know, props to organizing that because it is i think i think people who do chairman stuff and people who organize conventions don't get enough rep because it's like so difficult to organize something for such a big knit knitted amount of people and i know you say you like to keep it small but it's still a group of people that you're having to mm-hmm. organize a specific uh you know itinerary and event situation so well done for that because like and, i said i can't yeah, do that <laughs> we focus on the charity element too. Like yeah, we really yeah. do try to focus on it because we had, we do have for many years. I last year was not the case because of COVID, um, mm-hmm. but for many years we had the highest per capita donation. That's, uh, that's a that's a in the world. Fantastic fee as well. That's yeah. really really cool. Yeah, because like we have a small number of people and we have a small like when you consider the 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 number the the raw number, it's not as impressive as some of the big conventions. Mm-hmm. But when you consider how few people we have and the amount of money we we raise, it takes mm-hmm. us right to the top. And we have we have uh, it's an amazing That's amount great. of money that people donate, and it's usually for, for we try to focus on local, uh, yeah, charities. Like mm-hmm. one is the one we just did was a local charity called um, the Awesome Spirit of Wildlife, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a it's a rescue for uh, like reptiles or and birds and things that normally wouldn't be rescued, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's really cool. I think it's great that you can you know change something or like not change something, but kind of support you know charitable things with something that is just simply just a leisure event of people yeah. coming together. And I think it's great that. Uh, oh my god, it's perfect. A, a lot of fairy I think Compuzzle do that as well, where they choose a. Mm-hmm. I think they have a wildlife charity that they donate to every year, and I think it is great when people do that and just you know use such a big community to make a big difference as well for people's lives as well so it's great a lot of great people who do the work associated Mm -hmm. with it so i it's yeah it's 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 fun Mm -hmm. right we got to move on i mean we're not gonna be (laughs) we are are not gonna be able to talk about the album in the film as much as usual guys but i mean i think this has been a lovely conversation but anyway we will move on to the album choice of this week, which was Sprout by Chalk Dinosaur.
Now, what I like about this choice is it is the first instrument, well, mostly instrumental album that was, you know, given to us on the podcast. And I, I thoroughly really like listening to it. So before I get into what I like, what I disliked and what, you know, all that, why did you choose this album in particular? Did, can you remember? Because, I mean, it was quite a long time yep. ago when you when you chose it. But there's, I, I can actually know the reason. Yeah, the, um, <laughs> it's funny because I got introduced to Chalk Dinosaur right at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. The, immediately at the beginning of the pandemic. In fact, I went to see a concert of RJD2 with some friends. And Chalk Dinosaur was one of the openers. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard of anything like it. And their, the, 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 the concert they put on was so phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That even the RJD, like I'd say they were equal in terms of why I enjoyed the show for both them for both and RJD2. In the main act, yeah. That's, yeah, a, that's and, a fantastic beat. Yeah, and, and they surprised the heck out of me. It was basically two days before lockdown occurred. Ooh, um, that's a, cutting it fine, cutting it fine. Yeah, it was it was very close to lockdown and, and um, it was maybe a, little, a few more days, but it was very close. And it was the last event that I actually went to with in public mm-hmm. since then. And... I remember distinctly watching the people on the stage. I remember how tight the bassist and drummer were. I remember the, I'm going to use the word of my name, the manic attention to detail. <laughs> the the lead uh, gentleman, John O'Halloran, was putting into the instruments. He was a multi-instrumentalist. He was mm-hmm. playing the piano, playing the guitar, playing all these different instruments and, and, and putting in all of these different things. Mm-hmm. And it was just a fantastic experience. And what blew me away is I learned later that it, the actual band is just him. And he brings in his brother. He brings in other friends of his to help with the album as he sees oh, fit. But it's mostly his. Yeah, that's fantastic. And that, that's really I love when people do that because there are some solo artists. I mean, perfect example: somebody like uh, Mac DeMarco. Mac DeMarco just brings on you know maybe friends who are like guitarist or keyboard like synth person to kind of come on and do these sections for him. When obviously he's mm-hmm. just the main act. Mac DeMarco is the front line, the front man of his own music. And I do love it when artists do that. So yeah, I love that. And and I've spoken to the guy too. Like Mm -hmm. I, I reached out because I was curious of finding merch and finding like vinyl and stuff. And I was able to purchase a bunch of different albums and stickers and stuff from him directly. And he's a wonderful human being. Like he's not, he's not doing it in in a way that he's like, Oh, I'm the front man or I'm like that. No, he's just, this is music I make and all these people help me out. Mm -hmm. And this is just the way it is. And he's, so gracious even during the virtual uh Wapafa we did last year i asked if i can use his music as bumpers because mm-hmm. it's great instrumental break like in between things and he's like yeah he can use all these ones uh, but there are a few that have a new like licensing yeah. structure so mm-hmm. if you have that you to go through this guy but uh, these ones yeah go ahead use them anytime and i was blown away at his mm-hmm. just his willingness to be oh yeah mm-hmm. I, I don't care anything can be used anything can be played so he's just mm-hmm. a nice guy to work with a nice mm-hmm. guy to talk to and, and yeah. i love his music yeah I, I love artists like that that just support their fans a lot and i mean i think it goes it, i think it reverts back to what i was saying about having a close-knit community with your convention stuff is i was obviously nothing wrong with this at all but obviously chalk dinosaur looking through this the amount of streams that they have for you know, each mm-hmm. song, it's like definitely on the smaller side in like the thousands compared to a bigger album that we might have com- covered on the podcast. And when you have a smaller artist there, there is some sort of like personal connection you have with them because you're like a, you know, beginning fan for them. And like mm-hmm. you said, you had the ability to, you know, talk to them and, you know, support them. 
through buying merch and stuff when, you know, they're still fairly small compared to, you know, other people in the kind of music industry. So I think that's a really, Mm -hmm. really great thing as well. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm not, I, I love all music. Like people expose me to music all the time and Mm -hmm. I love it, but I've not ever fallen like over myself for a local artist before Mm -hmm. in the way that I have for them. Like they really blew me away in a way that I have never been blown away by a local artist before. That's great. And I had, and I, and I, that's one of the reasons why I was immediately attracted to them. I'm like, this is Mm -hmm. really good stuff. And it's outside of the box. It's really, it's hard to place into what it is in some ways. Mm -hmm. Going through some of the stuff I liked about the album. I think my favorite song on Sprout is probably Voyage to the, to the yogurt. We say yogurt, yogurt, not yogurt plant. We say yogurt. Well, I say, I say yogurt. Uh, I think everyone in the UK has that accent. Yogurt. Yeah, yeah. If you if you're from London, <laughs> you say yogurt as well. Yeah, voyage voyage to the yogurt planet is like probably my favorite on the on the album. These are such like they were talking about this about um in in one of the episodes where where we're talking about Owl City. Similar to this album, like all of these names are so fucking cool. Like voyage to the yogurt planet. Like what the fuck does that even mean? But it's so cool. I love that name. Like that's such an interesting, unique name. I love how the kind of beginning of the track is very relaxed, chill, like low fidelity kind of thing with a nice, like kind of relaxing beat. And then you've got, you know, at the end of it, you've got like a, it goes into kind of like metal kind of thing with like a guitar solo. And I love how it changes to that. And for me, it feels like two separate like songs or essentially maybe like a a reprise of the song. And I love Mm -hmm. that a lot. It it feels like you have a jam session that had a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> and and I like that. Like I don't like jam jam bands and things like it cuz it just goes off and it doesn't really have any feeling yeah. of like a direction. And I love it because it feels like a jam band had fun and said we have a purpose to a song mm-hmm. and it just works itself all the way through what it's doing. Yeah. It comes to the end you're like, "Wow, that was that was a good time." <laughs> yeah. I like the melody on Beeler as well. I really like mm-hmm. that as well. That was a, a great one. Nice, yeah. Felt really nice. Feel felt very like refreshing. It wasn't really a fan of July 24th, but I think it's just a personal thing. I'm just going through. This is like one that I usually don't do this for albums, but this is a one album that I've wrote like a notepad for that I have on the screen. That I've got like a list of things. What I find really interesting, this is like, compl- this is kind of off topic, but one of the songs is called Samsara. Now, mm-hmm. I just watched a film for university called Samsara, which was a oh. very, it was really cool, actually. It was, uh, it was, see, it's, it's really cool. Um, it's, it's hard to explain, but similarly to how this is just like an instrumental album where it's like just breaking down these kind of different, you know, there's there's not a lot of like, this isn't a bad thing at all, but the, the songs themselves don't have a, a incredible amount of substance of like vocals and like a story being told. It's just, you know, really nice instrumental music uh, with, with a few vocals here and there that are kind of, you know. Uh, you know it's interpretive yeah it's you're interpretive. Taking an interpretation yeah. of what you're listening mm-hmm. to and you're applying it to whatever you're mm-hmm. thinking about at the yeah. given moment and it works well yeah and it's that's exactly what the samsara film's like so well, i watched it for my non-fiction module and it's basically an example of a documentary that's made solely for cinema and like seeing it in a cinema like a cinematic experience because okay. it, it it doesn't tell it it's not a documentary that tells a story and it isn't a documentary that you know goes it doesn't have any dialogue whatsoever i'm pretty certain um, I mean, I, I watched it like last week. I'm trying to think. I do, don't know. It has. I'm pretty certain it has no dialogue, and it's just absolutely beautiful shots of like wow. different. It's basically like uh, it's kind of like a around the world film. So basically, like every ten minutes has like a different culture or a different oh, wow. country, 
and it's like all these different and it's just like beautiful because the only thing there's no sound there's only like really quiet ambient music throughout so the main element of the film is the cinematography and the shots are absolutely beautiful how i described it was it's the things i'm gonna say it like um i'm gonna i'm gonna americanize my uh example of this but it's like a film that you would see on the tvs at best buy that's that's how i describe it it did do they sell tvs ah. at best buy yeah 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 so it's like you know how it would like show how nice the picture is on a tv so you buy it it's like beautiful cinematography it's like it looks like it, it's it's so good it looks like stock footage that's the kind of thing and that's yeah, the thing it's experience visual yeah. experience rather than anything mm-hmm. else yeah. and some of these songs that i was listening to on this album reminded me of that of some of it would be some of the songs that i would ha- uh, use for university like royalty free kind of stuff and that's not a bad mm-hmm. thing at all because it shows that it's got that kind of you know not well i say talent is it is talent it is talent but i'm saying like it's got that kind of quality that's the word the, that it's quality to be yeah to be used yeah to in that kind of sense of being applied to different kind of there's a lot of soft music that it just doesn't have texture it doesn't yeah. have this does you don't want to you don't feel like it belongs anywhere it just mm-hmm. is music and yeah there's there's a definite feeling that his music belongs in different formats and in fact speaking of that synchronicity mm-hmm. uh, one of the songs on it was just used as a bumper in a football game i was like, thinking felt, that one yeah yeah, yeah. It I, felt mm-hmm. right in where they were just talking and just oh some yeah. some talking over it and it's just synchronicity in the background and it, it got yeah. it caught his attention he was like oh i didn't know this when the heck were they going to use that that's yeah. awesome it's yeah it's super interesting you say that though because i that's the one song i was listening to and i was like this would be good on an advert or a commercial like this is a, this mm-hmm. is the one that i would definitely hear so it's i i'm i'm glad that that's kind of linked together as well um i mean I would say one one uh, kind of issue I had with the album is that my attention span's fucking doo doo. So um, th- the fact that each song was like around sometimes eight minutes long was way too long. Yes. Yeah. So one of the reasons I don't like this is kind of going off on a big tangent, but everybody like uh, loves Kanye West's "My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy." Says it's mm-hmm. like one of his best albums ever. But I I do like it. It's great. But each song's like five, six minutes. I mean, Runaway's like nine and a half minutes. And I'm like, I do yeah. not like how that is so long. I just can't focus on that for so long. And I mean, I think it's a little bit different with Sprout because the songs are instrumental. Sometimes they feel like just one long, you know, one long yeah. instrumental track. So I think it's a it's a little bit different. But it, at the same time, there are a few tracks that are definitely contrasting in terms of tone and, you know, mm. overall list, like listenability. So... Uh, it doesn't sometimes feel like one long track sometimes, so it's 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 half and half. But I I'm I'm glad we agree on the some tracks being too long. But again, then again, no, and I have I have yeah. terrible attention span just yeah. like you, and and it, it amazes me that I was able to like I can feel like it's I'm listening to it without focusing on it, and yeah. I like that. Yeah, and it, that 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 that's basically exactly what I did because I was I put it on just before the podcast episode, so it was fresh in my mind. And I just kind of lay down my bed, scroll through Twitter, check my uni stuff, but I was still paying attention to it because mm-hmm. I didn't. It's kind of like why people listen to lo-fi hip hop while doing u- mu- music because it's nice to yeah. listen to, but it isn't. You don't have to follow the story of the song, or you don't have to follow the lyrics of the song, and it's just nice to have like just in the background, nice, relaxing. Yeah. And, and if you want stuff. to come back to it, you can come back to it and find a it, depth yeah. that you didn't realize was there. Exactly. Just because you wanted to listen, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And I think I I was I made sure to kind of focus on it, but then also at the same time, like I said, with my attention span, I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to sit for an hour and twenty with an instrumental album without any sort of like sit there and just be like, you know, 
Yeah, no, but, I, I, I would, I would very much agree. Go do something else. Listen to it while you're doing something else. <laughs> but yeah, it was, um, that was fantastic. That it was like that. So, I mean, that, that's what I'm talking about. Eleven songs. It's an, it's an, it's an hour and nineteen, like an hour and twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's eleven songs. So it is interesting. But again, like I said, I think it's different for Sprout because it's instrumental music. It isn't a nine-minute vocal structure. That because no, that that's yeah. way that that portrays a way different thing compared to something that's instrumental that's nine minutes it's a, it's a whole mm. different kettle of fish so you know uh yeah i'm trying to think of anything else i can really say i mean we're we don't have much time to talk about it though because of the fucking <laughs> uh, t- t- talk so long about conventions but it's fine uh are there any tracks that you like that stand out or anything that that you, you pick up the ones that i i particularly uh gravitate to synchronicity mm-hmm. voice yogurt planet um mm-hmm. feeler Mm-hmm. and i believe there's one other one sprout sprout mm-hmm. itself the title track is is very powerful yeah. i think and i i really like those voyage of the yogurt planet caught my attention because they played it and he announced it and everybody was like what kind of name is voyage to the yogurt planet and then he started <laughs> and everybody was like this is a jam yeah, this, this is, is great nice. yeah i can imagine did you see what Vo- did he did he play voyage to the yogurt planet live Mm-hmm. that yeah. was actually one of the, one yeah. of the ones like it was such an interesting like yeah just the way it flowed mm-hmm. and it was so many different changes in the song mm-hmm. yeah i can imagine the guitar solo at the end part being so nice mm-hmm. live that, that must be like a, fun, a fantastic experience for you and it's great that you're able to catch a local artist that you could uh, you know get into in person you meet before the pandemic hit and everybody's concert experiences are now grinded to a halt so yeah exactly yeah i think i mean i think that's everything that i kind of want to cover on the album that gives us a good amount of time for the to talk about the film so the film choice for this week was cats don't dance directed by mark dindle i got rhythm in my feet i got rhythm in my heart and soul Right, so I'm going to say, first of all, thank you. I was talking to you about this uh, when we when we were just setting everything up. But since it was my friend's birthday, I was mentioning at the start of my podcast episode yesterday. Uh, this morning, I was kind of a little bit hungover, like incredibly fucking hungover. So I watched this today again, so it was fresh in my mind. And I just banged it on and, you know, ate some breakfast and watched it. And I, it, I just like I, you no. Know, this isn't going against anybody's three hour, three hour long films I have to watch for the podcast or anybody's incredible art house films, but it was just nice to watch an animated cat like sing his fucking heart out <laughs> and go to Hollywood. And I didn't have to think about shit because it was a, it was a family, family kids film that didn't have a deep plot or like an art house film student shit. It was just nice to just watch it and enjoy it while I was like still feeling like shit because i was drunk last night you know what i mean it was so fucking good so thank you for that but that isn't the only reason why i enjoyed it it was overall like a lovely lovely uh it was a it was a, just a lovely heartwarming film and i was talking about this um on the episode with uh cool dragon zay when we we're talking about little shop of horrors i am really not a musical person I say that, but Lion King's one of my favorite films of all time, but I don't inherently, I know it's a Disney musical kind of thing, but I don't inherently see that film as like a solid musical thing. But obviously this is also, it's a, I think the reason I like this is because it also follows that middle ground of, I don't think it depends or it it, it doesn't, um you know, oh, it's, it's hard to explain, but it doesn't, yeah, it's, yeah, it depends. It doesn't depend on music and it doesn't depend on the musical numbers, but they're still there. And I do like how it has that balance. But anyway, 
I've rambled a lot about this, and I'll go through what I like and dislike about the film, but let's go through why you chose it, what you like. It's your pick. Go, go ahead. Take the stage. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, you mentioned a a distinct point. I'm not a huge musical fan, too. Mm -hmm. There are a number of musicals that I adore and I love dearly. Les Mis comes to mind, but I'm not generally a musical person. Mm -hmm. I I find cheesy and not intriguing enough Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases, but the... I have always, like when I was younger, I, I wanted to become an actor. I want to become a singer. Like yeah. singing has been my thing for the longest part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot of that bright-eyed optimism in Danny, the same thing that mm-hmm. I wanted to impart to myself. Like I wanted to hold on to that. I want to hold on mm-hmm. to that, that naivete, so to speak. But yeah. the, But also have the experience to know when that naivete is detrimental to mm-hmm. what I'm trying to, to do. do. Yeah. And... And I just, I find the film to be just, it fits perfectly for me because I also love the, the, the heyday of film, the thirties, the forties. And I, I fell in love with the character design, the golden age of Hollywood, the, the optimism of I'm going to Hollywood to do this this, and then the overcoming of obstacles. Mm -hmm. I, I, I loved it. I mean, I, I also think it's the first, not including how it trained your dragon because it isn't really a fairy film. This is the first film we've had on the podcast, I'm pretty certain, that includes anthropomorphic characters. I'm checking the list, and I think I am right. Yeah, it is the first furry film, in quotation yeah. marks. But it's a, it's a good... It, it was. I didn't even think about the... I mean, to be fair, obviously, I did look at some of the character designs. I was like, that's so cute. And I was like, that's so fucking cool. But it obviously, it was just, regardless of it you know, being appealing because of the anthropomorphic characters, it was still like lovely Mm. and i do love how i I like the i i saw this i was looking through the letterbox reviews um of it and somebody said like this is basically what zootopia wanted to do but it just didn't do it as well that's a heck of a uh that's a heck of an endorsement frankly because it was like because obviously zootopia were trying to like compare this like um you know pride and i mean not pride um predator and prey thing but catstone Mm. dance do something similar where it's animals versus humans so I, yeah. I, I, I found that really interesting. And it was an interesting concept to have both because usually with fairy films, you just have fairies or obviously with human films, you just have humans. But it, it was really interesting to see a universe where both of them existed and it was okay. Like it was a, just a normal yeah. thing in the universe to be a thing. And, and, the, and the, the funny part about it is that it, there's, a, there's a deeper intent behind it too. Yeah. Because when you go back to the heyday of Hollywood, you say it's the heyday and you say it's this golden age, but you forget at the same time that there was a heck of a lot of racial prejudice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it really focuses on that disparity between animals and humans, tries to distill that racial uh, problem into mm-hmm. something digestible by kids. Yeah. Oh, you understand what an animal is. You understand what a human is. Yeah. And this is two different people, but they're, they're, they're the same people. Yeah. They're doing the same thing. They're going for the same idea, the same goals. But one is getting treated poorly for no reason other yeah. than the fact that they're animals. Yeah. And there, there's a great deal of that underlying the film. But kids don't notice that as much. Yeah, they, they just don't. see pretty pictures and they, they can digest mm-hmm. what is being said. Mm-hmm. But they don't understand the underlying implication yeah. until later in life. And they go, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. I, saw, I, I literally saw a letterbox review again saying like, 
I watched this when I was a kid and all the kind of, you know, messages of racism and stuff went totally over my head because it just does. It depends on the kind of perspective that you watch it because obviously it's a musical and a family film, but also it has those underlying messages, which is a, you know, a great thing to implement. And like you said, it's a nice way to, you know, teach, you know, kids or kind of inform kids that kind of stuff. And I, I do really appreciate that kind of stuff as well. So. The film was strangely also uh, plagued by a lot of issues in the back end, like the oh, okay. production, mm-hmm. incredibly plagued. It lost its producer like four times. Oh, um, okay. It it had. I think the showrunners were changing all the time. It, it was a lot of trouble, and at mm-hmm. the same time, Turner Animation, which only made two or three films, I think it's two. Mm-hmm was purchased by WB at the same time. And then WB was like, it was not our film, so we're not going to produce, we're not going to really advertise it heavily. Mm -hmm. So it got kind of screwed up in a lot of ways, even though there's so many pieces of talent in it. For example, like you had Don Knotts. uh, It was his last film that he ever did. And you had uh, Gene Kelly. He actually was brought in to take care of all the dance moves, like to help be the dance instructor of mm-hmm. like what what should happen in yeah. the film and it was his last film um you had all these big names associated with it randy newman was involved in in a lot of oh, the music yeah. that's i mean and randy I mean, newman yeah I mean, he he does he actually he, he just did he does all like the kind of you know you've got a friend in me I, all the all the kind of staple first cgi disney film soundtrack kind of stuff so oh yeah yeah and he wrote a song for the team, like just, just to write a song for everybody at the end, whenever that was, yeah. it was all wrapped, it was called don't let the bastards get you down. <laughs> and he wrote it basically for the group there to be like, Hey, you did it. Don't let them get you down. Mm-hmm. And it was a really cool, like little song. Yeah. That's um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and you just, you have, you have jazz greats daughter, Natalie Cole, Nat King Cole's daughter as one of the voices oh, for shit. one of, yeah, yeah for sure. Lawyer singer. Yeah. Yeah. That's so fucking good. I didn't know that. I was going through the cast and I was like, who do I recognize? But that's really cool, actually, because I love Nat King Cole's stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I obviously uh, 50, I, I have a soft spot for like 50s diner music, and I think a lot of his oh, music yeah. it kind of fits into that. Going through, the one thing I loved the most about the film was the animation. I think genuinely mm-hmm. some of the most expressive 2D animation I've ever seen in a film. I absolutely oh, so loved it. It was so good. It was fantastic. And you have, you have, you hate to love her, but you want to love the character so much in, in Darla Dimple. Yeah. Darla the, Dimple, yeah. The expressivity, the actress that played Darla Dimple, everything about it, the, just the animation was just so spot on mm-hmm. and, and created this evil character out of a child. Yeah. And you hated her and you're like, I hate a child. It's so weird, yeah. but I but, hate yeah. a child. <laughs> and then you find it at the same time, you find her so funny, like her expressions mm-hmm. and the way she reacts to situations. It coincides with the anim- the, the expressive animation. Like there's parts in the, the opening uh, musical number of Danny going to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he's just like stretching and bouncing all over the place. And I'm like, this oh, is yeah. so fucking cool. I, I love it so much. It felt like it had heart. It felt like it had a lot of, you know, kind of, just a lot of effort put into it and mm-hmm. i think it is like just a fantastic i think it's very underrated as well because i hadn't heard of it i hadn't seen it and i mean i was very surprised because it was obviously backed by you know warner brothers as well so i think it's something that might be under my vhs collection actually since it's a 97 release so. it's yeah. and it's funny because you you mentioned the bounciness and then you have the distinct opposite with max the bouncer yeah. 
everything is perfectly rigid. There's not yeah. one time that he changes position or changes uh, like uh, like bounce at all. And they utilize that so well, especially during the one scene where she calls him to come into the studio where they're recording. Mm -hmm. He breaks through the wall, and then when he leaves, he leaves through the exact same hole that he came in yes, in yeah, such does, yeah. a brilliant way. And he just and I was like, speeds like, off or something. He like disappears. It's fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I literally when that part happened, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it was so <laughs> funny. Um, but again, it's that representation of they, you know, they're having fun and they're being expressive and they're like being who mm -hmm. they want to be, and then this stale hunk of a man is just coming over like boom, <laughs> boom, boom. boom. Just standing still, no expression, boring, black, you know, gray kind of character. And all these really colorful characters are, you know, having fun. And it does that kind of, it is, it is that, again, that contrast of these toony, happy, expressive characters as compared to this, like, grumpy, massive villain, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, I couldn't stop thinking that the Max reminded me of that the villain of Spider-Verse. You know, the 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 guy with the, like, mm, he's, like, massively built in the tiny head in Spider-Verse. <laughs> it literally, exa I felt exactly the same kind of vibes. So, it must be just a villain thing, you know, so. Could be, yeah. I don't, I don't know, because it's, the thing is, I don't think I, I didn't, there wasn't really elements that I disliked. Uh, I did find it a little bit too short. It was only, like, an hour and ten, which, so, it was, it wasn't an inherently long film. But then no. again, I was like, at the end of the film, I was like, you know what? I don't blame them because it was just, there was just so much. I, there was just so much expressive animation that it must have took so long to do, you know? So yeah. I don't blame it being shorter, definitely. Uh, it's, it's like yeah. the right amount of distance, especially for my mm -hmm. ADD adult mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, obviously, it's a kid's film, so I'm not going to mm -hmm. gripe on this too much. But obviously, it did have that classical kind of, you know, it was the it was the you know the the classic plot structure of a kids film. Of, oh yeah. Uh, you know, act one, act two, act three. About to go home. Everything's all lost. You know, getting the bus back home, and then, boom, spark of let's change that and let's you know save the day. And I mean, it, it's not. I'm I'm not gonna sit here and be like that isn't cinema if you don't do that because it's a fucking kids film. But I do think kids films can also be or like a family film can be criticized just as much as any film because it is a piece of media and i don't think you should people should use it as an excuse but at no. the same time the audience demographic that it's appealing to needs to make sure it has a simple coherent plot structure and it definitely had that it's just a plot structure that i have seen in it's formula a lot yeah a lot of yeah. kids films so that, that that's oh, a yeah. point i was gonna make so yeah and you, you have a change of heart of a character in such a way that it's like, wait a second, this person would not do this. <laughs> yeah. Like they would not break into a a, a uh, studio to change invitations and yeah. then suddenly, oh, this happened. No, it, you have to, there's a sense of, you got to suspend your disbelief at a certain mm -hmm. point and go, just go, okay, have fun. Mm -hmm. But overall, I, I love the film, full of character, full of, uh, full of just, just full of really funny and great moments and i just overall really really enjoyed it so i mean definitely check this one out guys i mean it's a it's a fairy film appeals to you know the target demographic the podcast <laughs> and there's some lovely and i mean it isn't just like a boring fairy film in terms of like it's only cats and dogs you've got like cats dogs elephants penguins hippos fish tortoise goat alligators i mean there's everything there's just all these animals and i think one scene i did love is they all had such mo so much personality like that scene where you first go uh, danny goes into the you know the 
agency thing of like the waiting room and like within like a minute we already know how the hippo and the tortoise and they all act and what their kind of personalities are and they're all speaking really fast and all quick it was all just it was just constant and i liked it it was lovely it was energetic it was expressive mm-hmm. it was really really good i really really liked it so yeah great i'm glad to hear that because I, I every time i introduce it to people i'm like oh this is my favorite film what do people think and i'm glad people tend to enjoy it mm-hmm. yeah and i like i said i think it didn't dwell on the musical side of it too much but mm-hmm. i think it was used in a way to kind of make get a bit of fun have a bit of fun with it uh kind of with the is it dollar dimple there mm-hmm. her kind of character dollar dimple is in a sense kind of you know, she she doesn't uh, kind of continue the plot going forward with her songs, but it's just to kind of you know solidify that she is an evil little child. It, it, yeah. it won't be showing that. But then again, there's some ones of like you know Danny finding his way and showing the talent in what he wants to do, and that is more plot you know mm-hmm. divisive. So there's a Absolutely. good balance between that as well. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're on one one hour and eleven. This is a very this is a long uh, podcast <laughs> episode. So I want to say this has been a fantastic episode. I love the conversation. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, check out Manic stuff. You. I'm gonna link it in the description. Got the Twitter, and you'll probably just message me of anything else you want to plug. If you want to keep up to date on the podcast with me, it's at Hypebeast Down on Twitter. If you want to potentially be on the show, I'm going to have a form in the description. I do have quite a lot of, I do. I say this every episode, but I do have quite a lot of applicants. I'm going to get back to them as soon as possible. I've got uni stuff. I've got my retail job. I just want to make sure I get back to people. And also I've got quite a big backlog um, of that. If you want to check out my letterbox reviews every week after I do the podcast episode, I also release a more in-depth letterboxed review of the film. So if you want really? to check that out. Yeah, yeah, it's a... Uh, I am Matthew Beatty, but it's Matthew underscore B-A-Y-T-E-E, and Matthew's with two T's. I'll put a link to that in the description as well. I'm, I'm not going to lie, this has been recorded quite far in advance. I'm, I'm a bit behind on them. I've just released the one for episode five or something, so I need to do the... I've got a few to write, but it's really nice just to have a place that I can write reviews and like personal things, and I can put my favorite films on there and all that, but yeah, check out my letterbox as well, and I think that's basically it, yeah. Does any anything else you want to plug? Anything else you want to say before we finish? Not really, no. We've been going over everything, and I can supply links for sure, but <laughs> thank you so much for having me, honestly. No, no worries, it's been great. Yeah, cool. That's it, guys. Thank you very much, and I'll see you guys next week. Take care. <laughs>